Hi, Dr. Trio. This is Hannah, and I'm calling from Austin, Texas. Special howdy, I'll come again. Um, I was calling because you guys didn't get any phone calls last week, and you always sound so sad when you don't get phone calls. I've been meaning to call for a while, um, but I just didn't have anything to share yet that hadn't already been discussed. So I saw Skinamarink uh, last night, and I absolutely loved it. I found it deeply unsettling on, like, a visceral level. And so my question for you guys is, um, if you've seen Skinamarink without any spoilers, how did you feel about it? Did you like it? Did you not like uh, the pacing like my boyfriend did? Did you think it was just not good for someone who's anxious? Or if you haven't seen it, do you intend to see it? Did you like the trailer? Um, and that's about it for me. Keep being amazing, you guys. I love that I can come to you and hear about all the horribly disgusting things that I just love to watch. Here's some many, many more episodes, and thanks. Thanks, Hannah. And Megan's back, so this officially works to use your call. And Xena left. But that's okay. <laughs> we tagged out one for the other. Yeah. Uh, so she needed a week off, so we gave her a week off. And we're going to talk about Skinamarink a little. I haven't seen it. I will be seeing it. I have not. I adore the trailer. I totally understand the Google reviews that I've seen. I only saw, I only look at the numbers. Like I Googled Skinamarink just to see when it was going to be showing up on Shutter. And the first thing that pops up is a Google review. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, how many people watch? N- not, I'm not even going to talk about it. I'll talk about it when after I watch it. But some of those reviews are like, what did you think this was going to be? Yeah. <laughs> but Megan can talk a little bit about it, I think, to answer your, some of your questions. It's keeping it vague for everybody else. Like, yeah, yeah. First of all, hello, Hannah, fellow Texan. Love, love that. <laughs> um, okay. I... I kind of wish you had seen this so we could talk. I know you're going to. And I know. I debated saving this, but then I was like, well, we're keeping it vague. Yeah, and we're not. if I wait until I see it, I can't keep it vague. And that would be a question instead of my review about what we were watching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. We'll I, definitely dive into it next week. I'm very curious. I feel like this is probably a John movie. It is not so much a me movie. Um, oh, sure. I think it's those. It's very specific in that you mm. have to be. It's almost like a vibe movie. You have to be on this mm. movie's wavelength. Um, I think a lot of people that really, really love it have kind of shared similar, like childhood fears slash nightmares that this mm. speaks to that I am not familiar with. Um, so it it ran a bit too long. I think technically it's well crafted. It's really amazing. It's very unconventional. And I I admire and respect everything that Kyle Edward Ball did. Um, it just isn't the type of horror that works for me. I was not submersed in this world and terrified because yeah, I mean, I, I, I feel like this is one of those divisive movies where you're either going to really like it or you're really not. And there's probably not a whole lot of leeway in between. That's what I saw from Google reviews. It was ones or fives. Twitch, yeah. I assume, out, you know, Outwaters is going to be the exact same way for people. And already has oh, been Oh, yeah, people. yeah. And we're going to see the exact same thing when that gets a theatrical release, that there's going to be, it's going to be one or the other. Yeah. I don't think there's going to be a lot of middle ground of, it was okay. I think <laughs> yeah, it's gonna you're going to have a reaction. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to knock your socks off or you're going to be like, that was what the f did i just watch which i do think is really cool like even if it doesn't work for you or it does it's really cool that we have these kind of 
really experimental like they're yeah. they're out there they're not your commercial type of horror so the fact that we're getting like a few of them in a row is just pretty cool i i really love this even if even if i watch skin and and i don't enjoy it like i'm yeah. hoping that i will i i kind of love the love or hate aspect that we're kind of seeing in movies a lot more it it feels a lot more like the writer director creator whatever is like this is the vision yeah this is what i'm going to present <laughs> it's not what are what are what are audiences going to like or ooh they're going to be really scared here or let's build this or whatever like it feels less manufactured yeah maybe more organic to to the vision i don't know but i i'm i'm really excited to see it and i love the trailer i i love the bleak stark just in this house repeated <laughs> over and over uh yeah so i will i will definitely dive more into it next week all right call two hello dark trio so as a subgenre, I really like such psychological horror. And one of my favorites from the past was Session 9. Um, just a great movie when it comes to, like, really messing with your mind and having you really dive deep into things. So my question is, what are some of your favorite psychological horror movies um, from any time of year or any new ones that might be coming out that you're excited to see. Um, keep up the good work. Y'all are amazing and hope to hear from y'all soon. Bye. Thanks for the question. I always love an opportunity to talk about session nine, which I think it's funny. I, I talked about this a while ago. I think when I talked about session nine, mm -hmm. that this was one of those movies where I saw it way back when, when Hulu was like just starting to try and compete or be like Netflix. Yeah. So there were some movies, but you, you hadn't heard of any of them. It was mostly documentaries and movie trailers. And there's like no TV shows or anything. And Session 9 was one of those. I turned it on and I was just kind of like, oh, David Caruso's in this. All right, I'll check this out. And then getting through and just being like, what in the hell? And then there was this really weird... I hate to talk about this. I read like two or three books in a row mm -hmm. where session nine is explicitly referenced in the books and they're fiction, they're novels. And I was like, what? Like, so I definitely think that session nine went under the radar. And I think that more and more and more people have discovered it and are just kind of like, yeah, this was just a sleeper that people missed out on. That is just fantastic. Uh, as far as psychological horror, it's, that's actually a tough question. I kind of had to like look up the genre. Okay. Be because horror and psychology, like it, they're kind of intrinsic. There's some movies that were like on the list that I didn't necessarily think of as psychological horror because it's horror. Like horror is psychological <laughs> for me at least. Like most of it is. Uh, so I, I, I tried to go more the like mess with your mind route as I was, as I was looking through it. So I'll just do three. Okay. I think. And the three that I, I'll call it maybe the top three or at least in my top five, uh, Black Swan. I think that that resides pretty well in psychological horror. Uh, the Babadook, I think it, it's really, it's almost like a pressure test for the viewer 
as much as I think the actor and everything else, the stress level in that is so high, especially as a parent, <laughs> just watching this is like, oh my God. And then Rosemary's Baby. So this has been popping up now. Rosemary's Baby has just kind of become one of my favorites. And it's an amazing example of psychological, like you don't know what's happening. I mean, you know what's happening now as someone in the 2020s knowing what Rosemary's Baby is, but I can't even imagine having watched it in the theaters then just been like, just it would have blown me out of the water. Yeah. Uh, how about you, Megan? Uh, Rosemary's Baby was one that I came to the conclusion of too. Like I was trying to think nice. of what I gravitated towards in terms of psychological horror and, you know, Rosemary's Baby, uh, 2020s, The Invisible Man, um, and mm. The Thing. Because I would argue yeah, that I it's not, the thing too. I mean, yeah. obviously it's a creature feature, but I would argue what makes it so stellar is the psychological component and not knowing who to trust. So I feel like that's kind of my recurring theme among these like psych- psychological horror aspect is like the kind of mind game um, where you're, you're never quite sure you're with the character in their headspace as they're trying to figure it out, whether it's like yeah. being gaslit or being paranoid that somebody else is not human or, you yeah. know, just not knowing if your ex, your abusive ex is somewhere in the room with you. Like it's always some kind of um, suspense, like the way that they use those mind games to draw out suspense are usually my favorite. And as far as what's coming out that we're looking forward to, I feel like the obvious one this week uh, is a high anticipated psychological horror, Knock at the Cabin. Yes. As, as one of few horror books that I did finish within the last few years. Uh, and I, I've seen a lot of people going, People watching the trailer and having their reactions to the trailer who clearly didn't read the book. It was like talking about, oh, it's like a gay couple. Like people are just mad about everything anyway. Uh, Oh, yeah. But what I thought as soon as I saw the trailer, Dave Batista cast it or cast in that role is perfect. I'm so excited for that. Perfect casting. Like the big, strong, gentle guy that is portrayed in the novel, like that couldn't have been any better as far as I'm concerned. So that'll be, yeah, that'll be interesting to see how that's adapted. I think I saw Paul Tremblay just post who wrote The Cabin at the End of the World, which Knock at the Cabin Door is based on. Uh, I think he's going to the premiere tonight or something like that. He was posting about like a little premiere cake that he Very was eating. Very good, good for him. Maybe maybe this will do really well and we'll finally get like a head full of ghosts. Please. Yeah. Please. Yes. Give me that. Give me that. Speaking of give me that head full of ghosts, welcome to the Bloody Disgusting Podcast, everyone, the podcast where we discuss all the disgusting things we love in the horror world. And to help us discuss the disgusting, you know her as the movie critic for Bloody Disgusting, horror movie fanatic and journalist, fresh back from Park City, Utah, and the Sundance Film Festival, Megan Navarro. Hey, Megan. Hi. And I'm John. I don't go anywhere. I'm, I'm just here. It's cold. It's cold. Yeah. We, we almost got to positive numbers today. I think we had a high end negative two. Oh, my goodness fun if you're listening to this on a wednesday when the episode drops we hope your week's been filled with all the best kinds of horror and it's warmer where you are and if not we're gonna do a quick round the table for the movies books games or anything else in horror that are making the two of us smile right now maybe there'll be things that'll make you smile too so again i feel like you got some sundance stuff for us i do i do have some sundance that words are hard i've forgotten how to speak um i do okay so i i don't have too many because we only have so many, you know, minutes yeah. in in an, in an episode or whatever. Um, so I I figured I'd talk about 
my favorites. Um, the first one being one that I feel like John would like. I feel like this is a John oh. movie. It's a mouthful of a title. It is Onyx the Fortuitous and the Talisman of Souls. Uh, this one does not currently have any distribution yet, but I feel like it's inevitable that it will. And we will definitely update you when it does. This is... Um, it's fledgling, fledgling occultist Onyx and a group of fellow worshippers attend the once-in-a-lifetime ritual at their idol Bartok the Great's mansion. Of course, you know, things go awry. There's... there's <laughs> satanism and creatures and stuff this is from writer director andrew bowser this is apparently a long-running character for like a decade um on Mm. i think on youtube went viral who knows where else um the weird satanist guy slash onyx the fortuitous like that's this character that has apparently been around for a while on the interwebs and now he's transformed it into a full horror comedy with uh, really charming creature effects by creature kid um, effect shop. And this is one that admittedly took me a little bit to get into because it's very much like a slow acclimation to this character. I don't know if you've ever seen letter Kenny, but that's a a Canadian sitcom and there is a character in there called Stuart. Onyx is a lot like Stuart in, in voice (laughs) cadence mannerisms. So like, I think it helped that I already was accustomed to this type of like eccentric quirky character. Um, But it is very much like a love letter to 80s, 90s horror-loving kids. This, you know, he has a little lunchbox that carries around little trinkets and toys in. He works at a fast food joint. His mom is played by Barbara Crampton. Uh, Bartok Mm. is played by uh, Jeffrey Combs. It's, uh, yeah, there's a point that that it really just flipped from charming, like, cute enough horror comedy to full-blown, now we're doing riffs off of Meatloaf, Um, I Would Do Anything for Love, (laughs) we've got um, Creatures. I was just listening to that, like, a few days ago for the first time in years. Really? Watch the video so you can prepare for Onyx, the uh, Fortuitous, and the Talisman of Souls. It's it's really cute. I think... um, you know, they do a lot of homages and references, like, you know, to a lot of classics. It's it's very much almost like Bright Night as far as the oh. plot a little bit, which is with a creature feature satanic twist. Um, there's really cute deep cuts. You know, at one point, Barbara Crampton yells, get a job at a sideshow, which is very much a reanimator line. Um, so, yeah, it's cute. It's definitely like you got to be on the the type of humor's wavelength, though, because it could potentially grade. But um, I really liked it. And I, I definitely want more from this, like, very, you know, whimsical creature heavy world. Um, and then the other one that I wanted to talk about, which was clearly the buzziest midnighter of Sundance, uh, so much so that there was a bit of a bidding war with A24 coming out on top. And that is Ooh. taught to me. Uh, this is about a group of, you know, high school age friends that uh, have fun with a party game. It's called Talk to Me. They have an embalmed hand and they grab hold of it and uh, they say talk to me and then, you know, go, go show up. Obviously, one of them takes it a little too far and uh, it, things go real, real wrong. It is the feature debut by uh, the Filippo brothers from Australia. So this is Australian horror. Uh, which means it is very brutal for a ghost story. There is some extreme moments of like shocking violence in it. Um, 
I really, really liked this one. I like this. This one was my favorite Midnighter of the Fest. I understand why A24 was like, we want it. Um, They're targeting a summer release date. So yeah, really good. Well, I'm glad to see that you saw two movies that didn't consist of people showing up to do a thing and then everything goes right and they go home happy. Right, right. If, if things went well, we would have no movie. So hooray for dumb decision making. I know. I, someday someone's going to come out with a movie. And just when you think everything is going to go wrong, it doesn't. And then it's just going to end. And they're like, yeah, this is what happens when things go right. I don't know. There was that spoof. There was that, what was it called? I, I want to say it was like Don't or something. Like kind of like in this, the riff of like Edgar Wright's. It was a viral thing where what would happen yeah. if people made the right decisions. It was a whole oh, montage. Sure. I'm going to have to look for it because that was great. That's what would happen. <laughs> it's I watched uh, Zena's pick. I had one pick for this week, and it was 2020's Becky, which she said was on Paramount Plus. And she was wrong, so I rented it Aww. on VOD. That's okay. It was a buck ninety nine. That's fine. A teenager's weekend at a lake house with her father takes a turn for the worse when a group of convicts wreak havoc on their lives. I'm gonna go ahead and channel Zena and assume that she picked this because Becky is fierce and spicy. <laughs> Yes. I think that I'm probably pretty close to that being the reason why she gave this to me. She wanted you uh, to be prepared I, for the sequel that's coming, too. That's right. I forgot. Yeah, because we were talk- even talking about this. Like, I forgot that you had talked about there being a sequel. There you go. Which, now having watched the original, I'm like, oh, yeah, no, yeah, I, I could use a sequel, actually. <laughs> well, there you go. For a couple of reasons. Because she there knew. are unanswered questions that yeah. are left. In my opinion, now there's a sequel. Maybe it's not intentionally ambiguous maybe it was intentionally ambiguous and they're like oh we can make a sequel so yeah we got we got room to play um i wasn't sure what to think of it going in you know joel McHale. i like joel McHale, but it's always a little bit weird for me to see him in a serious role because i remember him from like talk soup oh yeah and then obviously like he was in community and everything else um so see, seeing him play a serious character like i'm always kind of waiting for him to be a jackass and like Kevin James, like seeing him be a serious character, I'm always waiting for him just to be a lovable oaf <laughs> type thing. But nope. I tell you what, like Kevin James especially worked really well. And th- this might be a weird way of putting it for people who haven't seen it. Kevin James works best when he's not talking, actually. Not that he's not good at his villain monologue, whatever, but he actually has just a really good ominous cold presence that I actually think comedians are just capable of because I think comedians are some of the best actors because of the range that they have to be able to capture and their timing and everything else. And it's just such a departure yeah. for Kevin James. I haven't seen, I, I don't know that I've ever even seen him or heard of him being in a movie that wasn't a comedy. Uh, so I liked it a lot more than I thought I was going to. And I don't want to give anything away for people who haven't seen it. I think people should just go see it. It wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Um, from the trailer and everything else, like Becky clearly has to do some stuff in it. But the way that it's done and the way that it's portrayed is not what I thought. And it was, I don't want to say darker than I thought because it's dark. Yeah. It is dark and you should expect it to be dark going in. But 
what they did with Becky's character was something that I don't feel like I've seen in movies like that before. And I really appreciated it uh, without giving too much away. And the one performance that I was surprised by is I, I forgot his name. He's like a he's like a wrestler. He's a big oh, giant guy in the movie yeah, named Apex. Yeah, 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 yeah. I loved his performance. Like this giant character who's super ominous, but like the actual portrayal and delivery as the like the that the actor is able to pull out. Mm-hmm. I loved it. I thought it was great. I, I always love to see almost uh well, I suppose a lot like Kevin James working against your type. Yeah. Or the typecast or whatever and like being able to pull out like a different range of emotions or behaviors. I thought it, I was really surprised. I liked it across the board. It was it was better than I thought it was going to be mm-hmm. um, because it was different from what I thought it was going to be. I was ready for it to be like, okay, I see where it's going. And it kind of does happen the way you think more or less, but, but not in the how. it doesn't get there the same path you think it's yeah. going to. So yeah, sense. go check it out. It's worth a buck 99 rental for there sure. There you go. Uh, speaking of things you should probably pay to see, and I wasn't sure if Megan was going to talk about this and... So I figured I should. There you go. 2022's Infinity Pool, which I saw in theaters this weekend. James and M. Foster are enjoying an all-inclusive beach vacation in the fictional island of Latolka when a fatal accident exposes the resort's perverse subculture of hedonistic tourism, reckless violence, and surreal horrors. So this movie <laughs> is a thing... Um, I wouldn't be talking about it if I didn't like it. Uh-huh. It's tough for me to give an accurate, like, feeling about the movie because I watched this on Saturday night and my uh, mental state for how I am on Saturday nights might have impacted how I watched the movie. Interesting. Because it did, it did not bother me. Okay. I watched it just kind of like, all right, what's going on here? I was just, I have a question um, for yeah. you because I'm pretty sure what they screened at Sundance was unrated. Um, yes, they did. I was looking it up. That Sundance saw a different version. It wasn't by a lot. No, but I, it was a little bit different. He did say, you know, like before this premiere, they didn't even say anything. They didn't say we're we're screening, mm-hmm. you know, an NC seventeen cut of this movie. Yeah. Um, but going in, I knew that they were going to release it in theaters as R, and that he said, like Brandon Cronenberg said, that there were minimal cuts mm-hmm. to achieve that. So the only thing that I can think of. Is there is a shot in Sundance of um, an eject like a, a penis ejaculating? I'm assuming that oh, is see, not in the. They don't. They don't show that. Okay. What they show is it hitting the ground. Aha. Uh-huh. But they so they actually showed that. Okay, I remember being in the theater and my wife being like, "Well, that just happened," <laughs> and us being like, "And being like, yeah, that was a, that was something right there." Uh, so for everyone who's curious about <laughs> that, that yeah, go to the theater. I'm not going to tell you when it happens or where it happens or, why. or who it happens to. Good grief. Uh, yeah, I was curious about what the cut was because they said it was minimal. Yeah. And I thought it was going to be something that it happens in a later scene, a very surrealistic scene that happens later that maybe they trim some stuff out of that. I imagine um, that there's probably, but they probably don't have to do too much because some, the way that it's already edited and just yeah. distorted and whatnot. Yeah. yeah. 
And, and there's a huge oh disclaimer, goodness. and I'll say the disclaimer here too. If you have any sort of light sensitive epilepsy, oh, don't yes. buy a ticket. Yeah. There's even a warning before the movie starts. It is very, there's some very heavy strobe, very long strobe like scenes in the movie. And if you have any issues with that sort of photosensitivity, don't yeah. go to the theater. And you'll see the warning on the screen. You're just going to end up leaving and getting a refund. So I'm just giving you the warning now. My camera uh, is celebrating this strobe effects. Yeah, yeah. Megan's Megan's camera has some solidarity right now, and it's just nothing but strobe. <laughs> Infinity pool, let's go. Uh, so, and this stars Alexander Sarsgaard as James and uh, Mia Goth as whose character I'm forgetting her name. Um, Gabby and Gabby, yes. Mia Goth is so fantastic. Her portrayal. In, in this movie, like I really like Alexander Skarsgård's character, oh, yeah. like his the he's m- the most range I've seen from him. I like him as an actor, but he I don't want to say he's one note by any means because like the the notes that he does play in movies and television shows mm-hmm. are excellent, but the range that he shows in this is crazy. And Mia Goth, and yeah, Mia Goth, she's just it. It's like. If you've seen X or Pearl, it's kind of like you can't take your eyes off of her. Like she has just such a magnetic performance. Yeah. Um, for better or worse, depending on what you think of this film. There, it, it's extreme. It, it's I could see there's a lot of buzz about like the intensity and like the, oh my god, I heard there's that. I I wasn't disgusted. By anything I was watching, I wasn't super bothered. There was a little tryptophobia I had to deal with. It wasn't a big deal. Uh, I got through it. But it's it's something. It's funny. I th- it is actually really funny. There's a scene that is absolutely heartbreaking for several reasons. Yeah. Uh, about three quarters of the way through the movie that is actually really, really funny. Yeah. In a really sad way um, that's going to hit certain creatives like right <laughs> um that may or may not know exactly what that feels like and yeah it's i don't know like i i don't have i don't have good words to describe what i saw because it's not total surrealism it's just it was very boundary pushing as far as a hedonistic lifestyle and the way they deliver it is really fascinating because they don't hold your hand through how it's even possible they vaguely talk about how it's possible, but that's it. Yeah. Like, you don't even know if this is a normal thing that people knew about in advance or if it's just here or if some people kind of know that it's here and they're trying to do it elsewhere, but it doesn't work. Like, there's no world building at all for any of that. You're just in this place and go. Yep. Uh, it messes with your head in a lot of different scenes. There is a lot of brutal violence in it as a warning uh full frontal nudity uh not alexander skarsgård um at least for the cut that i saw and it's it's a thing (laughs) that i think you should watch yeah it's i don't think it's going to be divisive i don't think it's it's nearly like the love or hate no it's pretty straightforward i think yeah, and I think thematically it's pretty straightforward. I don't think it was very much peel the onion. You get to the end, and I thought the ending was actually really perfect. Mm-hmm. 
for this movie. I don't always think that with horror movies. Sometimes it's like, oh, okay, I see what they were doing. Yeah. But this one, I was like, no, no. Like, that's that's exactly how this, if, for it to end this way, that it ended perfectly. Yeah. Um, God, I want to do a deep dive on this. We'll do a deep dive after, like, Xena sees it. There and, like, you once go. Once it goes on demand, because it's, it's actually down. fun to, yeah, I like to, I like to talk about those moments, like those certain things where you're like, ah, oh, no, they nailed that tone, like just right. And I really appreciate it, especially Brennan Cronenberg, who's still fledgling, really, <laughs> to yeah. this. Like he's, he's from royalty, but still, like he's finding his own path and telling his own stories in a really a kind of Cronenberg-esque way. But like but his own. Not. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. not a, it's not a, it carries on some kind of the body horror stuff, but in such a very different way. It's a, it's a deeper storytelling for me. Like not, I mean, th- there's plenty to be read into David Cronenberg's work too, but Brandon's definitely, he definitely has a different voice for what he's doing. Absolutely. So yeah. So go check him out. Support, support horror. Yes. Support directors. Alexander Skarsgård, Mia Goth. You're not going to go wrong. No. It's, it's extreme, but it's totally palatable. Yeah. And I was, there's only a couple of scenes where I was like, ah, I didn't need to see that. <laughs> like there's a, yeah, I'm not going to talk about it. Find out for yourself. There you Find go. out what you don't want to see for yourself. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I'd have rambled long enough on with that without actually saying anything. Uh, okay. Before we move on, what did we watch and how did we watch it? I watched Onyx the Fortuitous and the Talisman of Souls at Sundance. Uh, no date of release just yet but i'm sure that will change um talk to me also at sundance which uh a24 scooped up and targeting a summer release nice and i watched 2020's becky which i rented on vod and 2022's infinity pool which i saw in theaters um okay so i already know one thing i'm gonna watch this week okay so i probably should be told what the other thing should be do you want a rental or a non-rental? Because there's one that's like, mm. I feel like this is very much a you movie, but I think it's a dollar ninety nine. Uh let's do it. If it's a if it's a me movie, let's hear it. Uh Chuck Steele, Night of the Trampires. <laughs> I've never even heard of that before. <laughs> I'm not even gonna tell you anything. I'm just gonna let you discover that. <laughs> I mean, that definitely sounds like some of the movies that I was watching for a while, like the Chains- Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers. Yeah, this is, Chuck this is like and- a 2021, 2021-ish release somewhere in there. So it's new, but it's got that, yeah. I feel like you'd Chuck like Chuck Steele and the Trampires? Chuck Steele colon Night of the Trampires. <laughs> oh, thank God. So it's going to be a series. No, no I series see. here. Night of the Trampires. All right, good times. All right, enough about what we've been watching this week. It's time for Megan to bring us up to speed on the news and trending topics in the world of horror. So what's been going on, Megan? Bring, bring us around. I, I, Find our rudder. Let, we didn't have a rudder. We, we have no rudder, or Zena's our rudder, and she's gone. We're, no, you're our chaos. rudder. Zena's our spice. Oh, oh, okay, fair, fair. Um, so I am very intrigued by every new bit of news that comes out about Five Nights at Freddy's, uh, movie adaptation. Obviously, I was intrigued with Jim Crent, Jim Crent, Jim Henson's Creature Shop. And then you went and cast Matthew Lillard and Josh Hutcherson. Now, uh, Mary Stuart Masterson has joined the cast. That is not a voice I ever would have anticipated <laughs> no. to show up in this movie. Uh, yeah. Talk about some 
that's like a veteran actor with some major cred. So bravo. What are you doing? Um, We don't have too long to find out, I'm guessing, because production is actually set to begin in New Orleans in February. So literally right around the corner. Um, Director Emma Tammy, the wind is at the helm. Um, yeah, and if you don't know what Five Nights at Freddy's is, it's a horror video game series that started on mobile, um, which you must survive. I think it was started on mobile, right? It's been forever. This thing, this franchise has been forever. Um, but was it mobile or PC? Both, probably. I remember like probably downloading it on time, PC yeah. for or uh mobile a long time ago. Um, but yeah, you're you play as the new hire guard supposed to keep watch over um the animatronics and at five oh freddie fazbear's pizza so it's like a pizza like a chuck e cheese but the animatronics mm-hmm. want to kill you so just like chuck e cheese just like chuck e cheese so yeah i mary stewart masterson good times um yeah and then, and this this won't surprise anybody, but uh, New Line Cinema has acquired the original screenplay Weapons from the filmmaking team behind the award-winning horror hit Barbarian. They are moving full speed ahead towards a theatrical release. Production is anticipated to commence later this year. The upcoming Weapons is from writer-director Zach Kreger, who will also produce alongside his Barbarian producing team, Roy Leah Vertigo and J.D. Lifshitz and Raphael Mergulis of Boulder Light Pictures. Plot details for weapons are being holstered, haha, but it's described <laughs> as a multi and interrelated horror story or story horror epic that tonally is in the vein of Magnolia. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So... I know. The that's the 1999 actor cram showcase from filmmaker Paul Thomas Anderson. I'm giving yeah, that with Tom Cruise. With right? Tom Cruise. <laughs> Just yeah, I was about to blurt out like a Magnolia spoiler. I mean, that was over 20 years ago. So, but I, I will withhold <laughs> Magnolia spoilers. But I, I, you know, I guess I guess we should expect the unexpected was that Craig you know, Barbarian certainly taught us that. But Magnolia is not one they ever had on my horror bingo card. So, yeah. <laughs> um, Richard Brenner, president and chief creative officer of New Line Cinema, stated, Zach prove with Barbarian that he can create a visceral theatrical experience for audiences and that he commands every tool in the filmmaker tool belt. We couldn't be happier that he, Roy, Mary, and JD, and Raphael chose New Line to be the home of his next film and hope it's the first of many to come. Uh, Warner Brothers is going to distribute it worldwide, so that's Mm. not going to be this year, but at some point, we already have our next horror movie from Zack Kreger, and it sounds like it's going to be wild already. (laughs) I mean, that description, I don't even know what to do about that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's all we got to go on for a while. I'm sure we'll get more details. But yes, Magnolia, Paul Thomas Anderson, not W.S. Anderson, Paul not Thomas w. Anderson. Not W.S. Anderson, big difference. Big difference. So crazy. And then in territory that I feel like is more familiar to John. Uh, are you familiar with the Boogeyman short story? Did you read it, Stephen King? I never read I didn't read it, no. I've, no. Seen the tra- I've seen the trailer. I did not read the short story, though. Well, see, look at you're you're one step ahead than you thought. Um, yes, there. Stephen King's short story, The Boogeyman, is getting an adaptation, and the official trailer just premiered during Sunday's NFC football game. Um, and the trailer since made its way online. If you have not seen it, you can. Uh, from host and dashcam director Rob Sam- Savage, The Boogeyman will be getting a theatrical release on June second. 
2023, so this summer, from 20th Century Studios. It's notable, I'm stressing the theatrical, because it was uh, originally set to go direct to Hulu. A strong Mm. test screening plus approval from King himself gave the studio confidence to supersize the film's release strategy. I'm sure also last year helped them with the confidence there as well. Sure. Also, when was the last time Stephen King didn't approve of one of his own movies? That's not a knock against him. He's just very supportive of horror. Yeah. So the idea that like it would come out and he'd be like, no. No, don't do it. Stick it straight to Hulu. Now, I think he he is very like he's a lot more lax, too, as he's gotten older. He used to be very nitpicky about his adaptations. Obviously, I've actually heard that. Yeah. Even during quarantine, he did like this dollar. Did we talk about that on this or maybe I I don't think we did, but I. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, he was re- he was uh, licensing like his works for a buck. Yeah, like if you wanted to do an adaptation, it was like I mean he's got all the money, but that's also just a cool move. Like he didn't have to do that. Yeah, and it's like filmmakers. Hey, I got a story. You want to do it? Here, give me a buck. Yeah, yeah. I'm so, sure. Yeah. I don't the know what the pitch entails. Awesome. Yeah, the the trailer does not look very much to me like the short story which makes sense because it is a very very short story um but the film version the plot is uh it's still reeling from the tragic death of their mother a teenage girl and her little brother find themselves plagued by a sadistic presence in their house and struggle to get their grieving father to pay attention before it's too late that uh teen girl is played by sophie thatcher who you should know if you are watching yellow jackets she is incredible in that that show itself is incredible. Uh, Chris Messina is also starring um, alongside David Desmalkian. Uh Mar- Marin Ireland. Marin Ireland, put her on your radar if she's not already, because she also starred in uh, Birth Rebirth, which premiered at Sundance, which will be coming to Shudder. And that's like a Frankenstein twist, but she's incredible in it. And also incredible um, is her performance in The Dark and the Wicked which is on Shutter as well. So she's kind of a chameleon. You have to watch out for her, but she is so good. So, so good. She was in a couple of my Sundance favorites this year. Um, so the original short story was first published in 1973 before finding a home in Stephen King's Night Shift collection in 1978. It'll be the first time the tale has been adapted as a feature. Uh, and if you're not intrigued by all of that, then let me just throw out that Scott Beck and Brian Woods, who did A Quiet Place, and they also wrote uh, 65, um, and Akila Cooper, Malignant, and Megan, they wrote the original drafts of the script with Mark Heyman, who is behind Black Swan, being brought on board as well. So a lot of very talented writers involved with this. So yeah, what did you think of the trailer? Uh, it didn't feel like a Stephen King adaptation. No, it did not. <laughs> no, it felt like its own thing. And uh, the, from what the trailer showed, it had some very Vigil-esque cinematography, which I really appreciate. I love that not quite seeing what you think you're seeing, yeah. like, the sort of style, like a couple of eyes in the dark, kind of, that you kind of see. It looks scary as hell, especially as a dad who has done bed and closet checks Uh-oh. for monsters. <laughs> like, there's definitely like, oh, no, little girl in the bed. So we, oh, God, what, the carpet moved. <laughs> <laughs> we need to send you one of those glowing orb lamps. What are those? I know. I was like, where'd she get that from? That's Amazon. Cool. Amazon is everything. Yeah. Still waiting on my weighted blanket. Oh. All right, listeners, your turn. Who's next for the Five Nights at Freddy's cast? Dame Judy Dench? What would Barbarian look like if Paul W.S. Anderson had directed it? (laughs) 
You can call or text us at 224-475-1040. The number is also in the show notes, or feel free to email us at bedisgustingpodcast at gmail.com. Finally, Megan's going to make all our lives easier in the sea of horror movie options and clue us in an appearance soon that we should be watching. So, Megan, what should we be watching? I got to channel Xena and make her proud. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to. We we miss Xena. Um, we do. This is for John specifically. Uh, but this Thursday on Shudder is Skinamarink. So <laughs> if you were waiting patiently, you didn't get to see it in theaters, it's on Shudder. Um, and then we already mentioned this, but Friday, Knock at the Cabin, M. Night Shyamalan's latest, that gets released in theaters. That one is probably going to be super dark if we're going by Paul Tremblay's source novel. Yeah. Uh, and then to completely switch gears, Netflix has some wild, um, I believe it's Norwegian uh, werewolfy. It's called Viking Wolf. That drops just the name alone is uh, pretty funny to yeah. me, so I'm obviously going to have to check that out. Um, and then speaking of psychological horror, I feel like Friday might be the day for that between Knock, knock at the Cabin and then Baby Ruby, which hits B.O. Day. Uh, that one is a woman thinking maybe her baby's trying to kill her shortly after she gives birth. So mm. that will be fun. And then Tuesday on Screenbox, uh, it's Tuesday the 7th, Yellow Dragon's Village. So if you are of the mindset that maybe movies are just too dang long, then this 65-minute <laughs> horror movie that is described as uh, The Hills Have Eyes meets Hostel might be up your oh. alley. So, yeah, I feel like that might mean a lot of carnage packed into an hour. I don't know. But, yeah, uh, and obviously it's screen boxes there for you we're dropping a whole bunch of stuff at the beginning of uh the month like killer party and um body snatchers i love body snatchers so yeah live your life watch bloody disgusting tv or screen box it's funny that you say short movies because i just started watching uh bodybuilder bloody bodybuilder goes to hell yes. whatever, the, whatever the hell it's called <laughs> on shutter <laughs> It's like, wow, let's just shoehorn in that this guy does some bicep curls sometimes yeah. and then go to a haunted house. All right. Why not? Yeah. It's 65 minutes. What are you going to do? All right. That's a Bloody Disgusting podcast for this week, everyone. If you'd like to read more from Megan, you can check out her reviews at bloodydisgusting.com and on Twitter at Haunted Meg. Xena can be found on her own website, realqueenofhorror.com and the YouTube channel of the same name or at Lovely Xena on Twitter. And you can hear me on my weekly horror narration podcast, Creepy. Don't forget to hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app and feel free to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at BDisgustingPod or drop us an email at BDisgustingPodcast at gmail.com. So for this week, I'm John. And I'm Megan. Grab some popcorn, cozy up on the couch, and watch something you love. Just make sure it's something bloody. Bloody. <laughs>